Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is with us. Did you remember a game that you covered with the Colts that was at the level of awful as that one was last night? I mean, even with the win, any recollection? I mean, Jay, in all my years of covering them, um, the only ugly, ugly, ugly game like that was the game against Jacksonville in 2018 when Luck couldn't lead them down the field for a touchdown. What was that, like a 6-0 yeah. game or something? That right. was that was level of ugly because you're thinking, okay, you know, Luck's going to score. But last night was atrocious, and thank goodness that I was able to miss the first quarter because I was picking up a girl, Layla, from basketball practice. But I, I watched from then on, and that was flat-out atrocious. Props props to the Colts' defense, for the defensive side of the ball, the Colts. Props to Grover Stewart and special teams with the block field goal. But that offense, that offense is just brutal. Yes, no Jonathan Taylor. Naheem Hines, you know, unfortunately left, you know, in, in the first quarter after that hit. But the, the, the constant change in the offensive line. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago where it was looking like the Colts were going to have that foundation. They go out, they've paid all, they paid Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, because they want to win in the trenches. And now they're out there basically closing their eyes and trying to put pieces of the puzzle together up front. Matt Ryan can't, can't hold on to the football. Thank goodness for Alec Pierce last night. This football team, yes, I, I'm not going to discredit. They did what they had to do. You know, at the start of the season, who would have thought that their two wins were going to be against the AFC West, the team, you know, the division that supposedly is the best, that was supposed to be the best division in the NFL this season, and their two wins are against them while they've yeah. got losses, two losses in the division and a tie in the division. Nobody would have, I don't think many people would have guessed that, but it is, they're just playing ugly, boring, not want to watch style of football right now. And while you look at them 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and that's great for the moment, but as I mentioned coming in, and I mentioned this going back to even last week, what Chris Ballard has put together with his level of importance, especially monetarily and contractually, not only is it not working, Mike, but it looks broken and it looks like a fail. And while we live in the moment and you get a win 12-9 to nine, and that's great, you look further down the road, and, and this is going to hamstring this team if they don't find a solution, which I don't think they're going to. This is going to hamstring this team for a while. It really is. And I think you really saw that last night. You not only saw it two ways. You saw it on the field, and you saw it in the way where they decided to change up that offensive line in a short week with no practice before the start of that game was flooring to me. And then the result that you got in that short week and changing that, that offensive line is ridiculous. I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but that was even worse than what we had seen prior, and we thought that that would be impossible. Yet they hit that stride last night. Listen, Jay, you can't say the word. You, can't say, you cannot say the word prior. I know you were just saying prior to you know, before, mm -hmm. but when people when – people, you talk about the Colts and you say the word prior, they automatically think about, I think about Matt Pryor. But you made a great point, the fact that it's a short week and they just threw another group out there and it did not work. I mean, Matt Ryan was sacked six times last night. 
And if I'm a Colts fan, knowing that the pieces aren't there to make a run in the AFC, the more they win these ugly type of games, the more I will be saying, damn, they're hurting our chance to move up the list, to, you know, move up in the draft to finally, you know, select a quarterback in the first round. So people, you know, I, I you know, of course, we all pay attention to Twitter. Well, they're sitting atop the AFC South. Okay, you win. Uh, let's just say they win the AFC South and get to the playoffs. And not, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. They're not going to. They're not going to make a deep run in the playoffs. And then you're stuck once again with a mid to late first round draft pick. And you may you you're probably not going to take a quarterback that late late in the draft. And all of a sudden the Colts are spinning their wheels again because as of a much of a quote unquote pro veteran that Matt Ryan is. What is there to say, okay, this guy's going to get going and he can, you know, take over yeah. and lead this team down, you know, for the rest of the season on, as far as production-wise? He's throwing interceptions. He can't hold on to the football. He's getting sacked over and over again. It, it is just, it's, it's, you know, wash, rinse, and repeat cycle. That's what's going on hey, with, with hey, the Colts at the quarterback position. Mike, he is, it, is, it is so eerily similar with what we have seen from him as to what we had seen and actually worse with him than what we had seen to this point with Carson Wentz a year ago. I mean, it, it, and that's <laughs> that's not what they were hoping for here. That's exactly what they got, certainly with that. And here's the other thing regarding Matt Pryor. Um, Matt Pryor was terrible last night and has been bad most of the season. There is no question. But I will put more of the focus on those that felt that he was going to be good enough to play left tackle and then felt that he was going to be good enough to play right tackle because he's not good enough to do either one. So who in the world comes up with that decision, and how do we roast them adequately enough? Because to me, I mean, if you can't tell that he can't play that, why do you put him in that situation? I blame them more than I do anything else. Well, I'm playing him because he can't produce, but then the fact that you're not blaming then I'm going with Strauss on the O-line, Frank Reich and believing in him and Chris Ballard for not addressing the left tackle position. The, the, the blame can be spread all across the board, Jay. I don't think you can, you can pinpoint it on just one specific person. It is on multiple people, multiple people for, you know, from evaluating standpoint saying, okay, this guy can get it done. We're going to go with him and no, 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 it's not working on left tackle. So let's put him at right tackle and move our guy, the guy who's been starting at right tackle since 2018, slide him over one spot to play <laughs> right guard. And then it's like they're, you're, they're at the point now of hoping and praying that, you know, they're, they're rolling dices and rolling, uh, you know, some dice and hoping that it's going to come up the way they want and it's going to work out. We all, I think we can agree. We all, when you, when you sit there and try to take that type of risk, all you're going to do likely end up doing is just embarrassing your ass. You know what's funny about that is, and I've heard Chris Ballard say this before, especially with me in terms of, you know, wide receivers. I'm Mr. Wide Receiver Guy, wide receiver guy. And he has responded before, not necessarily directly to me, but in just in general terms about it. Well, hey, this is not fantasy football. They played that last night like it was fantasy football. That's completely counter to what he has said before about, well, this is not fantasy football. You just can't do that. Exactly what they did last night. 
was exactly what you would do in fantasy football, not with an offensive line, but with shuffling around players at the last possible minute, crossing your fingers, hoping you have a better outcome when you know logically there's probably not much of a chance. That's more fantasy football than all of us screaming and yelling about getting some pass catchers in that room. That is definitely more. And that's the first thing I thought about last night, especially when that move started to go downhill and started to fail. Yeah. And, and what, what's funny about it is, um, you know, in the past, you're like, okay, the Colts can't beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville. They can't beat the Jaguars down there. And, you know, they'll take care of their business at home against the Jags. Listen, it's no cakewalk for the Jags, especially who knows how long Darius is going to be out. Uh, and I'm not talking about the con- concussion, but, you know, dealing with the, the nose situation. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor on the high ankle sprain. Now, Quiddy Pay, uh, I think Rappaport reported his high, high ankle sprain, which means. That is numerous weeks when you're dealing with that situation. Hopefully, Naheem can get out of the concussion protocol out there. So it's not like, okay, they got a long weekend. They got, they have, you know, they don't play again for another nine days. The, the issues are going to continue between the injuries, the offensive line, the Matt uh, Ryan um, problems that he's having. Thank goodness that this defense is, is, has really stepped up. I mean, they, they this, this defensive unit has played well. Thank goodness they have that out there because uh, for Frank Wright being an offensive coach, this offense stinks. It's not out Yeah, That's what it does. Yeah, it, it does. And you know what? You bring up a great point. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. While, you know, I'm ripping on Chris Ballard and rightly so you know, for the determination on this offensive line in general and then going into last night's short week game like that, you do give credit because Stephon Gilmore made plays in the fashion in which was the very reason why they decided to bring him in. And let's face it, as much as Chase McLaughlin won the game with the kick, as much as Grover Stewart won the game with the blocked field goal attempt, Stephon Gilmore won that game last night with those huge defensive plays. That's exactly why they got him, and that has worked. Yeah, they it completely have. Listen, uh, for the first time in a long time, you heard the name DeForest Buckner out there doing some things. I mean, he had, what, eight, eight tackles, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a sack out there. So, guys are stepping up. But Stephon Gilmore, I, I, I don't know about you, but when they signed him, I, I was like, okay, ooh, yes, he was a former defensive player of the year, but is he on a decline of his career? Listen, Russell Wilson kept trying to test him, and Russell Wilson ended up uh, having to walk out of the stadium with the tail between his legs because Stephon Gilmore was – the best defensive player on the football field for the Colts last night. Russell Wilson was absolutely clueless. I, I kept, I said this earlier. Um, I, I thought, I kept rubbing my eyes, going, "Is that Russell Wilson? Is that Jamarcus Russell? I mean, who is this person out here throwing this this football like that?" And it, 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 it again, it, it's not stuff that would seemingly be that difficult between that and Nathaniel Hackett and the play calls. I mean, you talk about absolutely taking yourself out of any possibility of winning. The combination of head coach and quarterback for Denver did the Colts a huge favor last night with that. It was atrocious. Well, yeah, so between that and Chris Jones' idiotic uh, penalty, the Colts should feel very fortunate inside that organization that they have two victories. You know, I, I, I tell you, I give them more I give them more credit on winning the game last night than I do – and uh, the Kansas City game, even though, it, you know, they only have four field goals, I give them credit because the defense stepped up. Kansas City gave the Colts that game two weeks ago. 
uh, but the Colts, from a defensive standpoint, won it. But, God, you, you got to find a way to score points. I mean, this team is averaging, you know, barely, you know, less than 14 points a game. Yeah. Who, who yeah. would ever guess that? No, no. And they're, they're, hey, Mike, they're not going to find it either because I, there's not a solution there. There's just not. And it's it's kind of like this offensive line right now. There, there's no adequate solution. I think you kind of just got to go and try the way that it was unless you want to ma- wave a magic wand over Dennis Kelly if he's able to play somewhere out there. There's, there's just no solution right now for the offensive line or that offense. And, you know, you're going to have to play through it just like they played through it last night to win. 2-2-1 two, two and one of the season, which is crazy. But at the same time, you look for the future and you look for not even, you know, the, this season future, Mike, but the, the even longer-term future. Uh, that is so incredibly problematic for the way this team is built. And that's kind of where they are right now. So, so let me – I think I know the answer, but I want to ask it uh, on the yeah. air. So you had more faith in the Colts getting it going, get, you know, getting going when they started with 1-5 and five in 2018 than you do right now with the fact that they're sitting – at two, two, and one. Yeah, because I, I think we've we've run out of adequate definitions. Like I'll give you a great example, Mike. Like last year, everybody kind of just waxes poetic about, oh, last year. Oh, you see what they did last year, Mike? Last year sucked. They started out stinking and they sucked at the at the end. I mean, that, that's not, that's nothing. You go, hey, that's great. And see, that's kind of what I look at last night. You found yourself last night just like lowering the bar. I mean, all the way to the floor. And that's kind of where we are with last night. That's kind of where we are with this team right now. You just continue to lower the bar and go, well, you know, uh, we had all these big expectations to win the division for the first time since 2014. And, you know, obviously we're at top of it right now or whatever. But you, you can't dismiss the play in which we're seeing. Because, Mike, it's not supposed to look like that. It's just not. And... That's that's where we are with this whole thing right now. So, again, um, until I see otherwise, until I'm proven otherwise, this offense, this offensive line, this quarterback, the skill set, obviously without Alec Pierce, Alec Pierce I thought was manly, beyond manly last night. Um, outside of that, uh, there's not really a lot to write home about, Mike. No, I, I did. I, I, I sure uh, hope you laughed at this too when you saw Ursay tweet that an ugly win is a beautiful thing. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, then people I, I, yeah. people automatically go, well, you know, you didn't say very much after that bad loss against Tennessee. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just ought to, you ought to chill. But, I, again, I'm not going to say don't celebrate it. I want people to celebrate it. Yeah, people say, you know, that burned my retinas. Like these two nerds in Denver were saying, uh, we, 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 we want to apologize to the people watching. You know, you can shove that apology up your rear end, two guys and nerds in Denver. I, I enjoyed it. You want to know why? Because at the very least, it was original, right? I mean, in all these myriad of games we have to watch every single night, basically of the week, there was some originality there. And then we're not talking about a team in this market in particular, that went home with a loss. So you talk about a win, you talk about originality. I'll take that on a Thursday night. I just don't like what's going on further down the road. That's, that's what the frightening aspect of this organization and this team and, and how it should be viewed right now. That's, that's the problematic part. Thinking big picture, I love it. I love it because, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like this franchise 
they're struggling to even tread water in the pool right in the ocean right now. They're struggling to tread water because when you look down the road and say, okay, the, you, I don't think anybody can say the future is bright in this organization. Nobody yeah. can say anything about the future in this organization is looking positive until they figure out who the heck the starting quarterback is going to be long term. Because the revolving door is not working. It, it worked one time. It got them to the playoffs against the Buffalo Bills. That is the only only time that has worked since, since Lux retirement in 2019. You can't get away with trying to cut corners at the most important position on your football team. Cutting corners is not going to work for you. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, and we gave everybody the good and the bad, and they were certainly good. But there was a hell of a lot of bad last night, Mike, without question. Hey, give the lovely Layla our best, won't you, too? Have a fantastic weekend. Are you going to the game tomorrow? Are you Michigan? No, 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 no. I am uh, – I'm chilling. I'm, I'm, I'm laying low, good. man. And – I, I think I'm saving myself for IU basketball games, man. That's what I'm – for men and women because, <laughs> hey, um, North Carolina at IU in women's basketball, Jay. Let's get, oh, yeah. let's get, re, let's get reunited with the hot shots. Cause we got to get the hot said, shots together and go to that. Yeah. Layla, Layla has already said – she has already told me. I didn't, I didn't tell her she was going. She told me we're going. So, that would be great to get the hot shares, little, little pregame mother bears, and then uh, head on yep. over to uh, – Check it out. Well, we, we all know this. We do whatever the lovely Layla wants us to do. So, yes, yeah, we're, we're doing me. it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm still butthurt two weeks later that I missed out on the concert. But I'm not going to mess with yeah. about that. Hey, hey Jay, I, brother, y'all have a great weekend, man. You too, buddy. So, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. 11 a.m., your coverage downstairs on WIBC with the pregame show Noon is the kick, and our good friend Don Fisher, who is, I'm sure, chilling at home right now, Don in Greenwood, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Are we chilling right now, Don? Uh, just getting ready to take off to head up to Chittard to see a little football tonight. Oh, yeah. Now, you did, did you watch the Colts game again? Did you tape it last night when you watched it and <laughs> watched it again this morning? <laughs> no, I didn't tape it. I did watch a good portion of it. Um, and actually I watched almost all of it. Uh, hey, Don, uh, Don, I was, th- I was thinking about you because I, I think when in, in terms of bad offensive line play from somebody that's watched it as much as you have, you're probably a genius on it by now. Well, I uh, definitely have some wisdom about it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I saw obviously evidence of that from the Colts last night as well, man. Oh man. Oh, you know what, uh, John? It just boils down to this. Uh, <laughs> it boils down to players and, um, and, and coaching, of course. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But it, it just boils down to execution, and, and there's, no, there's no question last night was not uh, an executable performance from the offensive line for the Colts. No doubt about it. I said this a little bit earlier, though. I quite enjoyed it. And obviously, I'm invested, right? But I quite enjoyed it because, if for nothing else, it was incredibly original. 
that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> that is really good, John. I go, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you know, a talk show host that just tries to be politically correct is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> For nothing else, it was original. No, well, I mean, it, I've been on, obviously, I've been on the state of this team and, uh, you know, the, the future, the, especially the short-term future of this team, especially with the offensive line, because that has been a huge failure, Don, and uh, that's how they're built. And yep. uh, you, there's no upward motion, no upward movement if you're built like that. So that's well, problematic. Me, I, I'm well aware. I'm well aware of that, as you know. Um, <laughs> you know, you know a little bit about that. Yes, I do. I mean, we've been struggling with the offensive line for several years now, and it's uh, it's going to get tested big time tomorrow when they take on a Michigan team that has played really, really well so far this season. Uh, you know, I, and I'll say this in my pregame tomorrow, but Michigan is always good. I mean, always. Yeah. They are really good. But sometimes they're trending on great, and this might be one of those uh, trends right now with them because they've got, based on what I've seen so far, they've got the tools to be a Big Ten champion. That doesn't mean that they will be, but they've got the tools. And, uh, you know, I would think that if anybody's looking at Michigan right now, you'd have to say that they are one of the favorites of the Big Ten without question. Well, they bring to the table offensively more than anything else. I mean, a team that consistently loves to run the ball, there's no doubt about that. But they can become dynamic in that passing game with Jim Harbaugh's squad as well. Well, J.J. McCarthy has kind of transformed them into that vein. Uh, Cade McNamara had the starting position on the opening game of the season. He and McNamara, McCarthy I'm talking about, uh, those two guys battled it out last year. McNamara won out most of the time. I think he played most of the snaps last season. But McCarthy did play some. He showed some bright lights at times. And then they battled it for the uh, opener this year. McNamara got the, to the uh, obviously the hit, the nod from Jim Harbaugh, but then they changed immediately in game two. And uh, there's no question McCarthy, I think, has won that spot. And he can not only beat you with his arm, he can beat you with his legs. He is talented. He's just a sophomore. He's got tremendous upside. Uh, he's still learning his way a little bit. He makes a few mistakes, but then who doesn't at this level? And uh, I, I think that their balance in the offense and defense, or the balance in the offensive run game and passing game, are just almost dynamic in the sense that they're almost statistically dead even, over 240 or 50 yards in both yeah. categories. Um, their their defense is getting not heralded all that much, but you know what? They're holding their opponents to like an average of 252 yards a game and only 94 yards on the ground. Now, that wouldn't be saying anything if you're playing Indiana because the offensive uh, rushing uh, statistics for IU are pathetic. But at the same time, when you look at what Michigan's doing, both with their pass defense and their run defense, it's a pretty spectacular performance up to this point in the season. And granted, they haven't played the best. But at the same time, well, they, they beat an Iowa team that can defend against anybody, and they put 27 up against them. And uh, outdueled Maryland, who's going to put points on the scoreboard against anybody this year, and Indiana's got them next week. Uh, I, I just think this is going to be a real test for this IU football team tomorrow, in the sense that just to make it competitive, they're going to have to play their best football. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, 11 a.m. The pregame show, noon is the kick. 93 WIBC has your coverage. A uh, couple of uh, final thoughts. Regarding Nebraska, last Saturday night, um, 
Yeah, obviously defense late, not so great. No, it really wasn't. But it, it, really, it was the start of the ball game that, where the defense failed dramatically. Um, I mean, they gave up 21 points in that first half. It, it they 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 struggled to get the football offensively. But part of this part of the struggle, John, is defensive backfield that's supposed to be your most talented group and the most experienced by far on this football team. And the best guys in this team are making mistakes that are just critical. I mean, they give up a three-play drive on the first possession for Nebraska, uh, including a 34-yard pass for a touchdown. How do you do that? I mean, if your defensive backs are part of the best part of your team, and they are. Taiwan Mullen and Jalen Williams are really good corners. Devon Matthews is a terrific safety, and, and likewise, Brian Fitzgerald. But I'm just telling you, I, these guys are all experienced guys, and then you've got a guy that gets past you 15 yards and is uncovered yeah. as he goes into the end zone. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it's scheme, if they're, if they're doing something different. What I do know is they're not, pro, they're not producing, but they have to produce on the defensive side of the ball. And then part of the reason they're not very good in the second half, John, is because the defense is on the field for most of the ball game. You know, in the second half, it wore out. I mean, your offense has got to be able to move the football, especially with a high-tempo play that Indiana puts on the field. Uh, A one, two, three, and out kills you. And and Indiana had so many of those last week. I think there were three of 15 on third-down conversions. You can't – I mean, (laughs) I mean, you're just basically handing the defense an impossible scenario, especially if you're – a little bit suspect in any way, shape, or form on the defensive side of the ball. So it's very concerning at this point. This is a team that three is three and two. They won their first three games. None of them were inspirational performances, and yet uh, they had two comeback wins that were dramatic and one comeback win that wasn't so dramatic against Idaho that everybody knew they were probably going to win the game. And They scored 29 unanswered points after the half when they were down. But right now, there's so many question marks in this football team, and it's not enhanced by the fact that they've got so many guys hurt right now. D.J. Matthews, Cam Camper, both out of last week's ball game. Obviously, they got Zach Carpenter, the center, back in as a guard last week because he still, still can't snap the ball. So he's probably playing out of position a little bit. Mike Cady, could they moved into the center spot, certainly playing out of position. He hasn't played hardly at all at center. But they just felt those are the best five guys they could put on the field. And still, they weren't able to open holes for the run game. With the exception of one guy, Jalen Lucas, the true freshman who comes in and dramatically helps him down the field with a 34-yard run and carries the ball three times in the football game and then doesn't see the pigskin again for the rest of the contest. And I still don't understand that one. And, of course, they've talked about they definitely going to play him more this week and more this season because he's dynamic and all those. Well, why wasn't he on the field in the second half of that ball game? <laughs> yeah. I just don't get that. So, anyway, I'm belly aching here and <laughs> whining and moaning, and, and uh, I still think this is a football team that can turn this thing around, but they're going to have their hands full doing it tomorrow. It's Don Fisher, a little bit of belly aching and a lot of knowledge for you coming up tomorrow. It's all right. Sometimes you got to do some belly aching. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm probably better at that than anybody if you ask my wife. So. <laughs>
I cannot believe that. Not at all. Not at all. All right. So 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, pregame show. Noon is the kick. And uh, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, on his way to check out Chittard later on this evening. Correct? Yes, sir. Grandson's right. still playing. He's playing really well for him. So I'm, I'm excited. Hey, um, and by the way, when you're on, when you're rolling up there, make sure you turn me on here so you can hear me rip more on the offensive line. Okay, make sure. <laughs> I'll see if you can be as diplomatic as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do some belly, some more belly aches coming at you on the way. <laughs> All right, man. All right, you got it, buddy. Thanks, Don. See you, John. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, 11 a.m. pregame show, 93 WIBC, coming up tomorrow. We got tickets for that, by the way, too. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, brought to you by CarX, 14 Central Indiana. Joe Childers on locations uh, in Central Indiana once again. CarX.com to find the one nearest you. High school football game of the week tonight. We got the pairing show on Sunday, and Bob Lovell's got his back to back shows on a Friday and Saturday. He joins us now. Pairing show for you on Sunday, you and Paul? Paul Condry and I will be live from the IHSAA headquarters, 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock on Sunday night, John. Son of a gun. That just puts a huge wrinkle in your Sunday afternoon, Robert, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it also puts a huge wrinkle in your Saturday and yes. uh, Sunday morning in terms of the preparation for it. You know, it's... Um, We've done it for a long time, but there's an enormous amount of information. I think everybody can understand that you have to be able to uh, cite, get your hands on, make it sound like you know what you're talking about. So uh, there's a whole lot of prep involved in this, John. There really is. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk with us right now, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. All right, games of interest for you tonight. What do you got on your mind? Well, I mean, I think they're they're really you know, here. You are week eight, right? And you're uh, battling for conference championships. You're trying to get momentum going into the tournament. And uh, I think there are a lot of really good games. Cathedral hosting Burbuff Jesuit. I think that's a you know a BJPS is number ten in four A. Cathedral's number three in six A. Uh, you would give Cathedral, I think, a little bit of an edge, but it's a, a talented Burbuff team. Uh, I, I like that game a lot. I, I, I really think that uh, East Central at Garen Catholic, people don't know enough about East Central, they're number three in 4A. Garen is number eight in 3A. That's a heck of a matchup right there. Hamilton Southeastern at Franklin Central. I love the Carmel Warren Central game anytime they play. Uh, ben Davis uh, hosting Lawrence Central, great game. Fishers in Westfield, another great game. Maybe the best game in the state, John, might be Snyder and Dwinger up in Fort Wayne. That is uh, a battle of number one and number eight. And uh, everybody knows the history, um, the uh, fabled traditions of those programs. Yeah. And so that's a good one. I love the Lutheran Speedway matchup, too. So plenty of great games to see. Park Tudor and Covenant Christian, a couple teams ranked in, in uh, single A. Uh, so really, really good matchups all around, as you would expect, as you get ready to go into the tournament. So Bob Lovell with us, so no mention of uh, the more, I'm sure, than half a hundred that Lenton's going to put on my Thunderbirds tonight, right? <laughs> well, uh, um, I mean, Linton is number one in, in 2A. So I'll 
just let you uh, – you're the graduate. I would think that it will be a very long night for the Thunderbirds, quite frankly. And it's yeah. uh, clearly, you know, a, a Linton-Stockton team that's been good for a long time. The last two or three years they believe that they've had a chance to play for a championship. As I mentioned, they're ranked number one going in. So um could be a tough night for the Birds. Uh, yeah. Well, they're complaining at Eastern because there's a speaker that doesn't work at the field. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's 49 to nothing, all right? So don't yeah, worry about it. they have bigger problems than a speaker that doesn't work at the field. <laughs> all right. Um, got a lot going on. And then you got the pairing show with Paul Condry coming up on Sunday too, right? Sunday night, uh, everybody should be by their radio or uh, by their, their uh, computer screen or however they want to get it all hooked up. It'll be streamed on the uh, IHSA Champions Network and the uh, radio network. Many of the great stations that carry my show on the weekend are part of that network. So um, it'll be uh, it's fun. We start with 1A and we work our way up to 6A. And it's, yes. um, it's amazing to me to just be able to be somewhere next to Paul Condry and watch him work and show you uh, how amazing he is. He knows every school, every coach. I literally think he knows most of the players in the state. And so he's he's a phenomenon. You have to be able to experience it to really appreciate how good he is. My task is just to stay out of his way and not screw up. So uh, I like those. I like working with guys like that where I can just sit there and go, yeah, what do you think? Well, that's Uh, that's, that's, yeah. John, that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just going to go, Paul, your thoughts? <laughs> I've been rehearsing for quite a while on that. <laughs> that's a good play right there. Hey, we'll be listening, no doubt about that. It's always a pleasure. Uh, enjoy tonight and tomorrow night as well, and then on Sunday. and We'll dive into it as we get closer and closer to start of something special where we get into that tournament here in Indiana with the football season. Can't believe it's on the verge of being here, but it's pretty awesome nonetheless, Bob. I appreciate you. You're welcome, John. Thanks for having me, as always. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. He's brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. CarX.com. Shout out to Joe Childers.